Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck yeah. Welcome to an all new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. It's Querition, joined by Jason Brooks. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WorkshootPod. And as we've spoken about previously, uh, this is the countdown to episode 300 when things are going to change a little bit. And I'll be starting my own podcast. Let's talk about elite wrestling, or otherwise known as Let's Talk About AEW. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But Jason, how you doing today? Good, good. Very busy. I'm sitting in my uh, the future nursery here, so uh, just trying to get things rolling. But yeah, no, it's been good. Very cool. Uh, last night we had one of the best wrestling shows of the year. One of the Definitely. best TV. Uh, matches most likely anyone has seen in quite a long time. I mean, you can you can defer to say some of the other Kenny Omega matches were great, or Roman versus uh, at the time Daniel Bryant. But uh, we saw uh, AW Grand Slam Night One from Arthur Ashe Stadium, twenty thousand people there. Jay, I know we we're going to agree because we spoke about it for about three seconds before, but in two thousand twenty one. This is going to be one of the highest levels of wrestling you're going to see all year. You know, Corey, it was more. It was it was more than the wrestling for me. It was the how you know the, talking about these crowds and the, having big crowds. It reminded me of like the Attitude Era. It reminded me of when wrestling was really hot. Like the crowd, like didn't even know what to do. They were chanting multiple things. You couldn't even understand them because they were chanting so many different things at once. It was it was just one of the most like incredible atmospheres to start a match that I've seen to start like a, a wrestling TV show. Let's say that I've seen in I Corey. I can't tell you the last time. Maybe the Punk era when it was like, will he have the title? Will he not have the title? And the crowd was really kind of going crazy for that Cena Punk feud. But, you know, uh, the Daniel Bryan stuff, you know, originally when he was going for Mania and the crowd was really going nuts. Um, so there's there's been certain times, but man, it was just, it was just incredible. The match itself was really, really great. Um, I love how they built, they started slow. And I was like, right when they said there's a 30 minute draw, I'm like, they're going to, this is going to be a draw. There's no doubt about it. But it, I love that it wasn't that the draw where the you know babyface almost wins in the end, um, that they didn't even like say, oh, it is only a 45 seconds. They may have mentioned it, but it wasn't they didn't make it a big deal. It just so happened to be a draw because they were just wanting to keep fighting. Uh, so I could definitely see some type of Iron Man match at some point for the title, possibly. Um, but yeah, Brian took some some interesting bumps, but. They still looked pretty safe. You know, when he did the dragon suplex off the top rope, he didn't fall on his neck. He fell like on his stomach. So they did a good job of, of working pretty safe. Still, there were still some pretty big spots. It was just, I mean, two all-time wrestlers going at it for a half hour with one of the hottest crowds you're ever going to see in a stadium that's never had a wrestling event, I don't think. I mean, what the? What are we watching, Corey? Like, what are we freaking watching? Like, it's it was just 
I rip AEW for a lot of things. Uh, but last last night seeing that match, it was just it was just incredible. I actually said to Sharon, I said, This is why I still fucking watch wrestling. Like, this is why I still watch it. Um, toward the end of the match, when they were just going out, I'm like, this is why I watch it. The emotion of the crowd, the emotion of the wrestlers involved, the story they're telling. It was it was why wrestling can still be incredible theater and incredibly entertaining to watch like that's why it's still going to be entertaining to watch um yeah i just i can't say enough good things about that match um i I loved loved every minute of it totally agree and one of the things we spoke about many times that's a major difference between at the time the wwe uh wednesday night wars with nxt and also what goes on week to week on pretty much any wrestling event is when you watch AW, it feels like a party scene and it feels like everything feels big and matters. That venue was part of the whole entire thing for the show. They had all of these different things going on that made it feel special. I mean, would you like to have seen maybe better acoustics there when it came to letting you know? Apparently, they did say uh, five minutes left, and then the next thing you, only thing you really heard was one minute to give a little bit better of a feel. Cause like one of the things that see, I see, I like that they didn't hear. I like that. I didn't hear it. I actually think that added to it. So you didn't really know, you knew it was coming, but you really didn't know when, like also you, you would have known if you were watching a 30 minute match just from the start of the program. Right. I kind of like that. It was more in the background and it didn't do it, make a big deal of announcing it. I, I think that added for me anyway, that added to the match. And I totally respect that. And I guess my point of view just on that was, and this is not a critique or a true negative against it. One of the things that really makes, I think, like the New Japan like G1 matches is when you know we've five minutes has occurred, 15 minutes, 20. You know, you just know that they're building up. Like when we're not going to really have a chance to talk about it this week, but when you had earlier this week Tanahashi versus Okada in night two of the G1, you knew that it was either going to be a draw or someone who's going to be winning this match at the very last second, which they wound up doing. I'm not going to spoil that for people who haven't had a chance to watch the match yet. But I like that's some of the drama that I like about like New Japan big matches where they give you an idea of where you are as the match is going on. But I totally get how yeah, for yeah. some that is just an extra thing that we really didn't need in this match. Yeah, no, definitely. And either way, you would have been fine. Um, and I wasn't sure if they did that on purpose or that just was the acoustics. But you're right. That's something that. They probably intended on letting people know that. So, um, and maybe I was just such a mark for the match that, it, you know, I don't know. It wouldn't have mattered what happened. But, no, you make it, you definitely make a good point there. So, I really enjoyed the match. And we spoke about last week how we thought the match was going to take place, like match placement and different things. So, I'm going to ask you right off the top. Did you like the uh, couple of things? Here. One, did you like that it was a 30-minute draw setting up to – the idea that Daniel doesn't have to go for the title right away, but knowing that he's at the same level, did you like the idea that it started kind of like what they do with Rampage, getting even though there's not the lead in SmackDown, but the first thing you saw to keep that crowd enticed, you went and started the show off. Or did you want that to be the main event? I mean, what was your thoughts in regards to the whole time match itself, how it played out? I thought it was perfect. I thought it was if it was for the title, no. It was for the title, that should have been the last match. But I don't think they would have had a woman's title match and then well, who knows how they would have done it. But um, I think it was a perfect placement. I also think the crowd would have really been waiting for that the whole time. And so other things would not have felt as big. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, Ruby and Brit got 
their own chance to shine because we already got, you know, some of the other stuff that happened. So I thought the per- placement was perfect. Um, they did a good job at the end of Britt Baker, the main event. She won the title. She looked like a star at the end. Um, I think they've done a, done, did a really good job with her and protecting Ruby. But no, I thought the 30 minute draw was really good. I thought they were going to do a draw, but I'm okay with it. I mean, they've done very few draws in AEW. Um, and they never do false, you know, they never do, um, you know, DQs or anything, which I love too. And yeah, I, I thought it was perfect. I thought a 30 minute draw was great to set up whatever things are going to look like. I'm just wondering what the hell they're going to do with Adam page. That's the thing. I don't know. Like what, what are they going to do with him? Um, I don't expect Brian to win. I think Omega is going to beat Brian and then page is going to beat Omega, but maybe not. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways they can go. Um, but the one thing, you know, that I really like is it doesn't seem to be any, obviously all these guys have egos, but I don't think anyone really gives a shit about winning or losing. And so I think that makes potential stories even better. And so I think there's a lot of different ways they can go. Uh, I am fascinated to see what they do with Paige, but they set up so many possible things. Brian can go for the title. They could have another match where Brian has to prove himself before he gets the title. You could do a three-way. So many ways they can go. So I thought the draw was perfect. Yeah. And next week, they're going to be in your old stomping ground of Rochester, New York, the home of the late, great Brody Lee. And you have the Dark Order. More things going on with that. And that could be when Adam uh, Adam Page comes back to go and strain those guys out. I mean, he could come back after the pay-per-view when they're, you know, in uh, in Virginia, I think, in later in November and have him come back after Full Gear. So, I mean, there's a lot of options where you can do and you're, what you're going to see, you know, shortly with having your first two kids that, you know, that first couple months of being able to be with them and getting that bond and with and having such a deep roster that AW has. Yes, you've built this story for basically two years, but you know what? what's best for, because one of the things we always talk about is the mindset of the, the workers and having time off with having such a stack lineup right now of guys coming in, you can take a little bit longer. As long as you don't go and have Brian Danielson win the title at full gear, you can still do what you want. Maybe even come back at the end of that show and set up the next program. So, I mean, they have options. And I, I really love about what you did last night. We're kind of with Christian where when Christian first came in, he had that admission, uh, initial standoff with Omega to get you the idea that this is happening sometime in the line. And then they waited what, like two and a half months to actually go with it. So you've got the first seed now of Dan, uh, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, but you've got the draw and now they can go in separate directions if you like, or you can go right to it in about a month at full gear. So you have options and you are setting all these storylines into effect where they can intersect now, or you can come back to it because you automatically had that one, you know, didn't get a victory, but got to that moment where he was on equal footing with him. Yeah. I think it's just great booking. It's really, really, really good booking. Um, I think NXT used to do this now. I don't know what the fuck I'm watching, but um, they really used to do that with the really, really good booking and AEW's AEW's doing that. You know, that it's just not the reason why they're doing so well with 18 to 49 people is because they're not dumbing the show down. Like some, there's some angles that are silly or whatever, but it's not a dumb show. It's not a show for kids. It really 
like you could watch it as a kid, but you can watch it as like a 10 year old kid and be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like that makes sense. Oh, nobody really lose. Uh, there's a winner and a loser. There's no like really dumb shit. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, Darby Allen's cool. Sammy Guevara's cool. So at Corey, 1.273 million. We, you know, sometimes we talk about the ratings. What did Raw do? 1.79? 500,000 people less watched. Now, again, this was a big show. It was a pay-per-view level show, but Roman Reigns was on Raw, right? And I think they advertised it, correct? They advertised the six-man tag. That, yeah. They advertised later on the night, the three-way between him, Lashley. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. But you knew he was going to be on the show, right? So, like, you knew he was going to be on the show. He's on the show twice. And they got 1.79 million. They were facing football, but absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just it's just very, very interesting to me um, how well they're doing and how well they continue to do. And the sky's the limit. So one of the things that now we, we both agree is one of the best matches history of the company, one of the best TV matches we've seen in a long time. But one of the things I've been hearing online was you had such a hot start. The rest of the show, if that was a 10, and if you're grading the show as an overall, the rest of the show, what was your thoughts? I mean, a lot of people thought that, you know, what that was a smart move to go with Punk right afterwards. MJF and Pillman didn't exactly thrill the world. Cody is basically the heel that doesn't want to be a heel. I mean, he looked like Homelander. Yeah. He looked just like Homelander. I think maybe that's where he's going. He's going to be like the evil like guy who's for America, but really he's a heel. I think that, I mean, he is a, he's a way better heel than a baby face. So what was your thoughts though on the, the, the rest of the show oh, as a whole? I thought the show was, what do you think of the last hour 15? I thought the show was good. I didn't think it was great. I think it's been a while since Cody's had a really good match. I think Cody's had solid matches, but I don't think Cody's had a great match in a long time. Um, And so, and I love Cody and I've been a fan of Cody's for 15 years, 10 years, whatever. He's not at the level from an in-ring standpoint of some of the other guys. He just isn't. And uh, Malachi Black is, but some of the other guys aren't, right? Or he isn't as where some of the other guys are. So in my opinion, so that's one thing. Um, you know, the Sting match with FTR, like that match was fine. Uh, Sting looks great. I mean, he is, again, We've like we've talked about, it, he's in fantastic shape for his age, but that match was fine. And then the women's title match, I thought, really um, ended up being a solid match. Kind of a rough start, but really, you know, uh, hit a good spot. So, yeah, I think if not for the Brian Omega match or, or Daniel San Omega, it might have been more of a, a C. I thought it was, I, thought it was no, I, don't, I don't think it was a C. I thought it was a good show. Um, I think that match made it a great show. Sure. But I still think it was a good show because it was, I felt like it wasn't, you know, things every five seconds. But again, I you know you have to throw the the draw into you know into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a good show though. Um, with even without the draw, without with the draw, obviously it's one of the best TV shows they've they've ever had. Uh, but overall, some of the stuff I thought was 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 pretty solid. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like I said, I thought overall it was a good show. The opening 30, 30 minutes, and I thought the punk promo was very strong and punk, you know, very funnily saying, you know, how does anybody follow that? And you bring over like the most over guy, maybe in the industry right now, not named Roman Reigns. I thought that was well done, but you know, the rest. Yeah, of the- I, and I love that punk said, 
I love that Punk was like, because I've thought about this. I think we've talked about this. Like, he just seems like he's happy to be here. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it sounds like I'm happy to be here. Of course I'm happy to be here. Do you guys see that match? Like, yes, I'm happy to be here. But then he really got fired up with uh, Team Taz and Will Hobbs and stuff like that. So um, I thought he was able to bring it back. He had the Jordans too. Okay, the Jordan ones. Okay. Um, But yeah, so he he was really fired up in his promo, which I thought was great. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought he was very very good. I thought, I think it's maybe the best promo he's done since wow. he's been since he's been since he's been back um, because he he did the I'm happy to be here. AEW's great, yada yada yada. But then he tied in his beef with Team Taz and things like that. So I thought I thought it was good. Now before we move on to a couple of other subjects of today. On Friday, we have night two of this uh, four-hour, basically four-hour pay-per-view super show, 10 to, 10 to midnight on the East Coast. You're going to have night two of Grand Slam. You're going to have, like you said, Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs, the uh, Super Click versus uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express, you know, a couple other big matches in there, and the Eddie Kingston Moxley versus Suzuki Gun. Do you think they did a good enough job as a whole of promoting that Friday night. And let's just take yourself. I know we're all supermarks here, but taking yourself out of it as a supermark, do you think they did a good enough job for like a new audience? Because remember, they did a ton of press for this show with Punk and Brian were everywhere. You had Tony Khan doing all these extra interviews. So there's mostly more eyes on this than they've had in a show in a while. And it was the third biggest one ever. Do you think they did a good enough job to get people to tune in either live on Friday or on DVR if you didn't? You were just basically watching like a WWE fan decided. Yeah, to- I mean that stuff's hard to say. Like I don't know, but you know they've said for a while Punk's wrestling on TV for the first time in seven years, so maybe they didn't like do the best job with some of the matches. Um, you know I know they have one match with the Matt the Hardy family officer can't stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, but the big thing they wanted to let you know there, there's no. There's no headline match. It doesn't seem like on this show. Um, it seems like a souped up rampage or a souped up dynamite. But you got CM Punk wrestling, and they ha- they that they've told you quite a number of times. They've built that. They've built that as the main event. And so, yeah, I think people will be will be. I think they've done a decent job of advertising it. I don't know what the placement of that's going to be. Is Punk going to go first? Is he going to go last? Um, I don't think he goes first. I think maybe they have him go last. Well, I, they can't have him go last because the uh, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, Suzuki gun match is a lights out match. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's right. And then they, they, I think you're right. And I think they actually said that that's the main event. So, so yes, you're you're right. So, so then maybe it goes first. I, I think you start with Punk Powerhouse Hobbs. Then you maybe put the men of the year versus uh, inner circle. And then you go with the... Uh, Super Elite or, you know, the Super Click versus Jungle Boy and uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus mm. and Christian Cage. And then you got your other matches, your other two matches there. But I think mm. you would go with the super hot CM Punk, at least co- especially coming off of the promo. And then you maybe put something in between or you go with the, uh, the, the Super Click, which I think that's I know that we always have this discussion. The fact that I, I, I bring up the fact I watch PWG and you're like, but how many have you seen? But. From the stuff I had seen in PWG, the, they, they are maybe the best three-man tag team out there. Of okay, either. well, that was years ago. How many, how much PWG did you watch? But 
Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be fun. Um, we'll see. I, I think the placement's going to be interesting. I, I think the results of this show won't be as important as I think, you know, the last show was with the title match, um, with Omega fighting, the world champion fighting. And we kind of already know some of the results of what we're going to see here. But I do think this show has a chance. So I think um, Dynamite was more important. I think there's a very good chance Rampage is a more fun show from a total, you know, I think the Super Click match is going to be great. I think the Lights Out match is, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. I think the Lights Out match is going to be great. So I think there's going to be some really, really fun matches. And then we got Jericho on there again. But um, it should be it should be a really good show for sure. I agree. Um, like I said, I think, and I hope they come back to New York again or the New York Tri-State area real soon. Uh, I was there last week, thought it was a great experience. But last thing on this very quickly, and this is just, I've heard this multiple times. I, I don't know if these venues did not realize how good AW is going to be able to draw. But a common theme I'm seeing online is the fact that the concessions and all the things that were done outside of the actual wrestling were apparently a pretty big disaster. So AW is going to have to go and get themselves out there more explaining to these venues that uh, we're WWE, I mean, not with WWE light, but we're a true alternative. And you got to have, you can't have your fans leave, you know, after the 30 minutes and then miss like two, like another, like 40 minutes of the show because everything with concessions is so screwed up. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, Corey's at AEW or is at the arena. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, you, but Corey, that's, and also it's not like Tony Khan's like, hey, I need to convince you guys. They had 1.27 million people watch it. Absolutely. They had, they sold out, they had whatever, 20,000 people there. I mean, I think when you see the 20,000 people going to be at a show, get some more people. But also, we have to remember with the pandemic, Everything that's happened, maybe they can't get people to work some of these pl- places. A lot of people are, are having trouble getting people to work. So I think that also could be a factor. So I don't I don't think this has anything to do with Tony Khan. I think this has to do with the, or even maybe the arena itself. I think this has to do with a, a kind of much larger issue. Totally agree. Um, so like I said, very good first uh, first uh, debut in New York City. So next subject on the docket today is NXT 2.0 week two. Now, we both thought the first episode was interesting. I think Jay, I might be wrong, I think Jay liked it a little bit more than I did. But after two weeks, I don't think this is a terrible show that shouldn't be on or anything. But I do, my, I think my opinion has stayed the same. This feels like a show that should not be on USA Network. It should be on Peacock. You know, it should be on the network. Absolutely. And it just, one of the things that was so weird to me was, and I might be overestimating this, but it felt in two weeks, you introduced like 20 characters and some were interesting, some were not. But I understand like when AEW first started, you're a brand new company. You got to go and throw out new people who haven't been on TV ever. But this just felt like so much so fast that I'm not sure what I'm supposed to remember and what I'm supposed to like. I, mean, I know that, you know, Braun Breaker, the worst name, one of the worst names you can find is going to be a superstar in their mind. At least uh, that's he's going to get a chance to. But other than that, you had so many names that were thrown at you that I don't know how many things are going to stick with the average audience. I'd like to get your opinion on that. So they did well in the ratings. Um, again, lost a little audience a month from now, two months from now. And we talk, we talk about the ratings sometimes we won't be doing this show two months from now, but I'll, I, I will be interested to see 
where the audience still lands because I, it's not a good show. Like it, it's, it can be an entertaining show. It's not a terrible show. I want to make that clear, but it's not a good show. And they have so many young talent, so many green guys and gals, um, some good segments, some bad segments. The stories are all over the place. I, I don't know how this is going to, to ultimately play out. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, 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 the introduction of the characters so fast. There's so many new faces. I guess Vince wants it edgier. He wants the women to be more scantily clad, apparently, like I, and, and more harsh language, but that wasn't clear. That's like, what? You don't want that on your other, your regular show. Now you want that in NXT? Is this, is this the attitude error? Is that what he's trying to make it? I, I don't know. I don't know. So, and maybe that's what his version of the show is. He wants it to be attitude error-ish. Maybe that's what he's going for. Attitude error-ish, craziness, new characters, chaos. Maybe that's what he's going for. You know, I will say they definitely put the title on the right guy. Ciampa's promo was great. And he's done some media since then. And he said how he's, you know, NXT is going to be the A show again. I mean, he's either lying to us or he's lying to himself. Himself. uh, Because there's no way that's ever going to happen again. But. I think he's doing a good job of trying to promote the brand as much as he can. And, you know, I do like that he's the champion, but come on. Tommaso champion against someone named Braun Breaker. I mean, come on. Also, like, they just introduced this guy last week, and he's going for the title. What do we know about this guy? This is so breaking the norm from how NXT has built stars and built these guys and booking. This is like all – this is just like WWE booking. It's the same thing. We got a new guy. He's great. He's going to go for the title. Like, where does dude, where this guy come from? Who is he? Why is his last name Breaker? Who names the, the kid that? Like, wh- like, what is going on? Who is this person? Why do I care about him? It's the same shit they do over and over and over again. Of Why do I care about this guy? It's, it's WWE. It is officially WWE light. Officially. With a bunch of characters all over the place, you know, 1990 Italian stereotypes. It's just, it's, it's, again, it's not terrible. It's not good. And and I don't see, and I don't see it getting like way better because they're going to, you know, I, uh, Blake Christian, he better uh, get ready to go back to impact. Because I don't see how either he's going to do a superhero gimmick that's going to flame out or they're going to release him in a couple of weeks. So these guys better be ready. And then it's going to be bringing in new people time after time after time. And the lack of veterans there, it's, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. Like I said from the beginning, how do they balance the new and the old? I mean, you had Kushida lose the title. Is this, does he just basically you know, stay in NXT and just become uh, a helping hand, or is this the next sign of him going up to the main roster? Or will he be, will he be in the G1 here? Will he be in the G1 next year? I mean, it's it's possible, but I mean, one character that did kind of stand out for me, and I'd love to get your opinion, be the fact of what you do in your regular life, 
and some of your belief systems, you know, what did you think of this Joe uh, Casey, I think, or Joe Casey? Casey? I thought, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I thought he was interesting. I will say that. I thought his character for whatever it's worth. I thought he was interesting. Now, the pro- if, if this was old school NXT, I'd be like, huh, they might do something interesting here with whatever the hell this is. We'll see. But I do think it was interesting because I think here's the thing is what, what's going to happen with NXT. I think like Braun Breaker is going to be on the main roster by WrestleMania. Good chance. Yeah. Right. So I think what they're doing is it's going to be hard to figure out long term stories. And that's why these takeovers are going to be a mess. Because I think NXT is going to be there as the basically the AAA. So they just bring guys up, send guys down, bring guys up. So like long-term stories, I don't know how they're going to do it, um, which was one of the beauties of NXT. And this Joe Gacy guy, interesting. A month from now, is he going to be there? What's he going to be doing? Right? And so... Again, I know I'm being harsh on NXT and and whatever, but I just I think it'll be fine for what it is. But I don't think we're gonna get the long term stories that we're accustomed to getting, which I think is gonna make the show kind of a uh, kind of more of a clusterfuck, so to speak. Uh, sure, clusterfuck. You know, like you know, Raquel Gonzalez is going against Frankie Monet next week. I mean, I think it's a loser leaves town match. I think whoever loses that match is going to the main roster. Now, one of the things that, and before we move on to our next subject, one of the things that is interesting about this whole type thing is, and I don't know why you could not do a a half half version of this with the old NXT, but the idea of NXT being, you know, the AAA system where you develop your characters, and you would think that maybe not cross your fingers, you develop the characters down here. Vince has something to do with the, at least the character development of these guys, and then you bring up the same character to the main roster. They actually have a chance. Because one of the major problems with NXT has been you have two different people writing for them. So Vince does, Vince, you know, maybe watches every once in a while, NXT, maybe not at all, but you have Vince producing people on the main roster. There's guys in NXT and guys from NXT come up to the main roster and they have to be repackaged or reintroduced seven different ways. And the character that we loved in NXT doesn't exist on the main roster. So if they were able to do something of that respect of where you had character development, of that Vince had some sort of handling of not not doing the storytelling of the feuds, but the idea of you know introducing these characters. So when they got to the main roster, they would have a focus, you know, and they wouldn't have to go and figure out why is Carrying Cross basically look like he's the gimp or different things. You know, if Carrying Cross was this type of character, maybe not wearing that awful uniform, but that character in NXT when he came up to the main roster, it would have not been as big of a culture shock. You know, that that I think should have been kind of what they were doing half and half Vince had character ideas. Triple H was doing the storytelling. Corey, I think, I, I think, you know, Vince did this because he, these guys come from NXT and he's like, they're not ready. What, whatever that means. I have no idea. And he wants guys who are what he wants. Like he want Braun breaker is going to be involved in WrestleMania somehow. Um, because that's Vince's guy. Uh, this Parker Bordeaux guy, he's gonna be involved at some point because that 
And so to a certain extent, we talked about this last week. Good. If this one, what is what Vince wants, this is what he's going to get. He's building the anti-AEW. That's what he is. Big guys, stereotypical characters, women, I guess, who aren't wearing clothes anymore again. This is what he wants. And so this is what we're going to see. Um, but, you know, on a positive note, I did like Toxic Attraction. I thought, you know, good for good for Mandy Rose and Gigi Dolan, who I like. Um, there were it wasn't a disaster of a show. There were some positives. The diamond mine thing is building steam. Um, but overall, you know, I think old NXT Roger Strong and Kushida would have had a 20 minute match. And, and this week they had a five minute match, yeah. So I don't know that you're gonna get that either, you know. So I don't know. I don't I don't know. I'm just yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard every week to watch watch uh, every segment. Absolutely, and I guess the last thing I would say on this is, as we, as we move on to our extreme rules quick preview, um, the, if you're not gonna call Rex Steiner, you know if you're not gonna call him a Steiner because for some reason Steiner is a dirty word in this company for some unknown reason. I don't know if Scott said something more or whatever. You you hired the kid in the first place. You don't have him go and dress like his father. You don't have him doing his uncle's move, uh, his uncle's moves in like the Steiner recliner. You don't have him basically. I mean, you can't help the way he talks, but he basically sounds like uh, a combination he, of the two. He just he sounds just like his dad. Yeah, I mean, don't have him basically be a Steiner if you're not willing to call him a Steiner. You know, it's just like, huh? And I guess, the, and the other part is, Von Wagner was in your was in the Fatal Four Way, and this week he had a 20 second promo. I mean. Don't you want to do a little progression of he was in your main event one week and then he's basically not even on the show the next. Also, I mean, also, also, what are these fucking name Von Von Wagner? Does he have what, you know, an accent when he talks? He sounds like an American. What, what's what's oh Von Wagner? God. What are these acts? What are these names that they're giving them? It's just it's just. I mean, this is like 1990s WW. This is like early 1990s WWF before the Attitude Era. When it was like, let's just do random gimmicks and blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you know who I feel, I don't want to say feel bad. They're getting paid, whatever. But who I feel, well, you know, you can feel bad for someone. I think Hit Row is in trouble. Really? What, I mean, what are they going to, they got B-Fab Wrestling. Uh, she is not ready yet. Uh, green as grass. Um, you know, like the big match they're promoting is BFAB against Electra Lopez, who looked pretty solid, by the way, um, in the squash match. It's like, you know, like, I don't know with Hit Row where they're going. I don't see them doing a Hit Row concert anytime soon. That's for sure. Vince, oh, my God, what is this, a rap group? Is it Tupac Shakur? No, we can't have that on our show. So, I, you know, I, I just feel bad because I think they had a lot of momentum going. I think they were popular with the audience. I think they should just go to AEW and do the same gimmick. But well, um, the is for everybody to go to AEW. They they uh, they only have four. I hours. mean, AEW needs something like that. We, oh, I don't disagree. We've, talk, we've talked about that, but yeah, you're right. They they everyone can't go to AEW. Hey, let's do Ring of Honor. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, but yeah. But uh, Jay, so I know that neither one of us has been super high on the main the main roster product as of late. 
But one of the things that we've done over the last, you know, eight years of this of this program is do, you know, quick pay-per-view uh, previews. Our next pay-per-view for the WWE is Extreme Rules. Um, kind of interesting, unless it's going to be added last minute. As of right now, your new Raw champion is not on the show, so we don't have Lashley versus uh, Big E. That could be added, but as of this recording time, it's not. Uh, Jay, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six matches announced as of right now. Maybe something gets announced on SmackDown, something else. Which one of these six matches do you either care about or actually want to see? Great question. Um, I think they've done an interesting job with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Um, they've mentioned the 26 second thing. They haven't made that. They've made that a thing. Um, I think Becky Lynch's heel character has been interesting. So I think they've done a pretty good job there. Also, maybe you see a title change. I don't think you do, but it's possible. Um, the rest of the matches are fine, but I don't totally care. Um, the match I would care about is Reigns against obviously Finn Balor, but I don't see Balor losing. Um, Charlotte and Alexa Bliss, I don't care about. I don't care about Damian Priest and Sheamus. I don't. Why is Jeff Hardy in this match? I don't understand why he's in the match. The Usos against the Street Profits could be interesting. Living Carmella is an opening match for SmackDown. I don't know why that's even on the show. So it's a very blast show for me. I I mean, Green Bay's playing. Even if they weren't, unlikely I'd be watching this show. Maybe I'll try to catch, you know, one or two matches, but I'm not. I will read the reviews to see how things work. And for some of those reviews, you might be able to see them uh, on Twitter. Uh, Let's talk AW or Workshoot Pod. Uh, to be honest, I'll be at work at the same time, so I don't know how much I'll be seeing of this night of. But you know, we'll see how that goes, especially with the our, our network in the real life airing of Tony's presentation. So kind of kind of have to pre- pay attention. But uh, JB, just quickly, I think Roman versus Finn should be a solid, good match. I like the fact that at least that they have said that the Roman versus um, Brock Lesnar match doesn't have to be for the title, which even though we all pretty much know it will be. I think Flair Bliss has been okay as a build. I thought stuff they did on Monday was fine. I mean, it's never a good sign when apparently at least 700 people walked out and decided to beat the traffic, not get food, but actually leave. So, I mean, there's been rumors between 700, 1500 people decided that that segment was going on and they just left the arena. So I don't know. Uh, Becky versus Bianca, I think on paper should be most likely be the best match on this show. But I I do wonder if this is a long term, a long term story where this isn't going to be, you know, it's more of the storytelling of how Becky Lynch, you know, maybe keeps the title or Bianca gets, you know, angry and just goes crazy. She gets disqualified. So I don't know if this is going to be the last match we see of each other. So I could see this not being, you know, their best match possible at this point. Uh, Like you said, United States title match. I don't really care. Priest hasn't lost since he's been on the main roster. Some of the stuff booking-wise maybe hasn't always looked great, but he's been kept strong, so I think he'll keep the title. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team titles, as much as I don't think the Usos should be on TV, if you're doing the Bloodline storyline, I think they have to keep the titles, the Usos. Liv Morgan versus Carmella, it's, you know, one thing we always complain about with SmackDown, I mean, not with SmackDown, with AW, you know, you're always happy to have at least we should be, you know, not just be able to settle with one women's match. There's three women's matches on the show. So that's a positive in that regard. But I would think Liv wins and we build to something more down the line. But on paper, I don't think this is a great show. But one thing we always say, 
the bill may not be great, but if you're just there to watch two and a half hours of wrestling, these shows usually deliver in ring. So I think this should be a good show in ring. I don't know if I'd love the bill for everything, but I'm, Next day, maybe I'll watch. I mean, of course, the podcast, I'll, I'll take a good look at what's going on. But it's, you know, there's a couple of matches on here that seem like they punched my interest. But if I wasn't, you know, preparing for the show, I may have not even realized Extreme Rules was this weekend. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I well, I watched some of Raw on Monday. So I did, you know, but, but I wasn't sure exactly when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for me, like you always do the what's your interest level? I would say I'm at like a two. Very low. Yeah, I'm at somewhere like between a three and a five, I guess. And I think a five is being generous because you know I kind of just want to see what they do with Lynch and Belair, you know. You know, because I, I do think that's been interesting. But you know, like the biggest thing on this show is like some of your bigger stars are not on this show. Seth Rollins is not on the show as of this point. Drew McIntyre is not on the show. Biggie U just won the title. Lashley's not on the show. The rest of the new days not on the show. Kevin Owens. I mean, some of these people might be added. But, you know, the star power besides Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch, I don't feel is really there, you know? So, I mean, some of the guys they've been building over the last year aren't on this show as at this point. So I, and I think that hurts it a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, otherwise, I'm just going to throw this out here. I know you – I think you – I'm pretty sure you saw Rampage. And you said you saw parts of Raw this past week. Before we get to our last subject – what was your what was your thoughts on the promo on Rampage between Ruby Riot and uh, DMD? Because I thought it was yeah, there was some shots taken, but I thought it was a really good promo. What was your thoughts on it? Yeah, that was good. I mean, we already saw the match. We saw what kind of the ending of it. Uh, it wasn't you know CM Punk uh, you know uh, you know burying the McMahons on Raw. Uh, but it was a good, you know, it was good. They took shots at each other. I thought it was, thought it was fine. Um, but we already kind of saw the end game with it, but I thought it was, I thought it was fine. And I guess the reason I bring this up is, and before we move on to our last subject of the night, is the idea of you also had the same similar thing on Roy with Flair and Alexa Bliss doing more of like, almost like a feel like a shoot style promo. I guess my theory is, I'm just basically is, do you like this type of promo, basically them shooting on each other a little bit in real life, bring up real life things like you had, where you know Alexa went and brought up like with the woo that's not even yours, and then yeah, no, I, 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 no, I absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what this is. It's two people who are not supposed to like each other, and they take cheap shots at each other. So I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think you, you know, you can get cute with certain things, and they have to be careful about that. But overall, I yeah, sure. I mean, there's two people. Wrestling is supposed to be. Two people who don't like each other who want to beat each other up. And so when they talk to each other, they should talk to each other. Like if I talked to a, a, someone who wasn't a friend of mine who I couldn't stand, I would do low blows with them. He would do low blows with me. That's what happens. So yeah, no, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. I know people get complaints like, oh, it's too insider or whatever, but I I think it's. I guess that was kind of my point, what you thought of that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's. Jay, I'm going to take a quick three second uh, break here while you uh, let people know how for the last, you know. Yeah, we got to, yeah, we got to get wrong because this flare thing is really, really interesting. I'm like, we're talking about Alexa Bliss. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're uh, at work shoot pod for the next little while. Corey's at Let's Talk AW. I think that's that's where it is. Um, 
We're part of the Great Life Group uh, podcast for the next little while. I don't know, Corey, if you're intending on on still doing doing it with uh, the Russell Life, but um, oh my God, it's been a couple. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, we've got. Uh, we still have all the same podcasts, right? So we got Felipe and Sean. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do it. I actually, I'm kind of. It's been a long day, so I'm kind of blanking out on everyone. But um, I know all the podcasts, but I don't know all the days anymore. So we've got Henry and Vince on Mondays, right? We've got Matt and Randy on Tuesdays. Um, the Audible. We're on Thursdays. The Step Back is on Fridays, and then Total Bases with Felipe and Sean are on Sundays. So um, obviously, baseball is starting to. Well, fantasy-wise, starting to slow down. Regular baseball is starting to pick up, probably, except for the Pirates and the Diamondbacks and all the other shitty teams. Um, the Audible, obviously, they should be doing two shows, probably. Uh, step back. The NBA season's like 25 days away or something. I'm already looking to bet on some over-unders. But, so, NBA season's going to start soon. Sports is on fire right now. Like, there's just so much going on. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. So check out all those podcasts. Absolutely. And uh, just two others quickly. Uh, got the More Love podcast, which I, I'm being told is coming back after a short hiatus. It should be coming back in the next couple of weeks. And because uh, I see him in our in our chat, uh, Brian Drake from the Fantasy Football Hustle. Be sure to check them out for any of your fantasy news, you know, because, you know, some people have started off 2-0, others have started off 0-2. But, uh, Jay, there's one of the podcasts that we talk about quite a bit. It's a comedy podcast. They've done a hundred episodes. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm kind of drawing a blank. You don't know Jackie. Jackie Corey, Jackie Rachel. And comedy Jack- podcast for the ages. Wow, I got time. I, I don't have my I don't have my same level of enthusiasm because we got to get to the last topic. All right. Well, so just quickly say we are episode 101 at the moment, and we are doing something which I am going to regret uh, actually live. And I guess about half hour, I'm going to be doing a comedy set, which is going to be terrible because I don't have anything prepared and I'm just going to be uh, winging it because that's what I do best. So it's going to be awful. But uh, Jay, our last subject of the, of the night. And like I said, wherever you check out podcasts, please review. We do appreciate it. But we had the uh, return of season three of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Plane Ride from Hell, which I think most wrestling fans have heard different things about um, different about things about this, you know, based on, you know, what happened with Kurt Henning and Brock Lesnar and different things. But this was the first time we really had a chance to take really a deep dive and actually hear from one of the victims in this whole type situation. And as a result, uh, Ric Flair has lost his uh, car, car shield uh, commercial deal. Um, Impact Wrestling has removed Tommy Dreamer from uh, everything in the for the foreseeable future. Tommy Dreamer's lost his gig with Busted Open Radio. Uh, Jay, what was your thoughts on the plane ride from hell? And what, if anything, did you kind of know about before this story, before seeing the documentary? Yeah, I mean, this is something I want to kind of do a deep dive on earlier because um, I think it's very interesting. Right, so... We do this thing in our society where we blame the victim oftentimes, um, especially when it's a bunch of men talking about it. It's uh, the woman. What did she do? Oh, she was at the bar with the wrestlers. Oh, she wanted to sleep with them. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And 
I thought Dark Side of the Ring, sometimes like, you know, I listen to True Crime Podcast, Sharon, my wife and I do when we do these like long road trips because it's it keeps our attention, whatever, whatever. But oftentimes with these true crime podcasts, they don't do a great job of focusing on the victims. And lately they've done better with it because I think they're like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. We're just talking about the crime and not the victim. I think the guys, the, the, the documentarians did a tremendous job focusing on the victim. And she was the key to them, I think, doing it. I think they talked about that on like the confidential, the dark side of the ring confidential thing they did with Jericho. They did such a great job of talking about talking to the victim and her sharing her story. Uh, it was tremendous. It was a tremendous, I think it was one of the best ones they've done. I think it was very hard to listen to. I think as someone who's been a Ric Flair fan for a long time, I think it was pretty sickening to hear. Um, forcing yourself on a woman. I, I have, you know, like racism and being, being, you know, rapish to women are like two of my big things. Like the Brock Lesnar Kurt Henning thing, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know, they got no fight, whatever. But doing that to a woman uh because you're in this position of power there's all men there they're all drunk he's 200 something pounds he this woman is already i'm sure intimidated he's naked and it's just absolutely disgusting and you could say oh well he didn't do it oh come on he's rick Flair. he doesn't need to do it here's the thing about stuff like rape and sexual assault with men Oftentimes, it isn't about whether they can sleep with the woman. It's about power. It's about having power over, over someone else. And so for him to do that, maybe he felt like he could have slept with her possible, but he wanted to have that power over her. Over her. And so it was just disgusting. And so she got a settlement. Fucking good for her. Get all the money you can. And... It's an embarrassment to the wrestling industry. You know, I don't know if it was Mike Kyoto who said, you know, things like this have, or JR said, things like this have changed the industry, you know, and I think has have made things guys are not like they used to be. Now, I don't know where the fuck Jim Ross and Vince McMahon were during all this shit, but yeah, but you, you had to hear people fighting and going nuts back there. And so I, 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 you know, as far as the rest of the shenanigans, I thought that part of the story was also very interesting. The guys is getting drunk, the plane being delayed, um, you know, all those things. But the Ric Flair part, like, great, that's it. It's over. It's over. You know, you could say, oh, well, it's definitely a lie or whatever. I mean, I don't know, man. It, it, it didn't look great. You know, RVD kind of corroborated the story. And Tommy Dreamer, I mean, ugh, you know, he he did not cover himself in glory at all. No, he did not. Now, what's he talking about? Oh, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to do that. He he's Ric Flair again. That same old male mentality of what why a man doesn't need to do anything to a woman because he can just get a woman, and it's not about that. It's about power, right? And so, I I just I thought it was. Tommy Dreamer didn't come himself in glory. Good for him. He gone. Ric Flair, we already saw what happened with him. He gone. 
And, you know, Ric Flair now is trying to bury people. RVD is burying me and this guy's burying me. Oh, my God, you did it. Like, you did this thing. This woman who you could tell, like, I work with kids, many of them who have been uh, assaulted by others, unfortunately. I'm not saying 100%. There's no way he, he did not do it. But the way she talked about it, with the detail in which she talked about it, how emotional she got when she talked about it, she talked about it like it was still possible. Like she's just PTSD. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder, meaning something happens when you talk about an incident that happens to you and you still kind of feel it in your body. Like you're still on the inside of the incident still. And that's how it seemed like she talked about it. And I don't know, maybe she's totally making it up for money. I, I'm, I, I'm not saying 100%, but it didn't seem like it. It sure seemed like there was some real legitimacy to what she was saying. She didn't even want to talk to them. The, the, the dark side of ring confidential, like she didn't even want to talk to us. And so the fact that she said at the end, if this could help some, some woman or some man or someone from being assaulted to speak up, like this would have been worth it, right? How hard it was for this woman to like speak to her daughter and tell her daughter about it. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this doesn't look good for Ric Flair. If you're an organization, there's no way you're going to be associated with him. Not a, no, no way can you be associated with him. Um, I mean, Hogan came back, I mean, after being racist. So, I mean, I guess Flair can come back from this at some point, but I don't think a company like AEW ever, I don't think that happens. And I think Ric Flair knows that. And that's why he's panicking now. Um, so that's my take on it. So a couple of things. One, I, I, it was a very eye-opening thing where, like I said, when I had heard about this story in the past, you know, it was all just, based, you know, boys being boys. And you saw, like, you know, WWE Storytime, which is their animated show, which they've taken it off the net. They've taken that episode off the network where, you know, you, you heard the boister stories of um, Ric Flair on a plane, you know, walking around just in his robe naked. And you actually had kind of a version of that on, I believe it was like the fourth episode of uh, the star show heels. We had a character, you know, drunk on a plane and doing so not, not, you know, assaulting anybody, but, you know, coming out of the bathroom with a title on and nothing else. I mean, it was eye opening on the accusations that were said. And the fact that RVD said that basically they, they basically drugged a bunch of girls during that time period in order to, you know, to take advantage of them. I mean, I don't remember the name of the drug, but that's basically, yeah, H-bombing, H-bomb, I forget the drug too. But right. yeah. I mean, that's basically, you know, date rape. You know, that was basically, you know, doing not, not basically, it is, it, it's it's rape, yep. Um, I mean, he was the only person on the show who corroborated the story. Um, Mike Kyoto, I don't think, came looked great. I mean, Karen Reynolds, I mean, I thought she looked very good in it. You know, basically talking about the idea of, you know, being a woman in that situation. You basically can't let anybody know that things are getting to you. You know, I, I would have loved to have heard, you know, from a Scott Hall and, you know, that was just, you know, you realize the fact of how much, how big of a problem he had back. And that's not an excuse by any stretch. Basically he, or he might not even remember. 
Right. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was it would mean anything to hear from RVD. Sound like he was only, one of the only people who was sober there. Okay. And also sound like Brock Lesnar also wasn't covered in glory either. No. It, and, you know, you wonder, like, what, and this is totally off topic, but what other things, Dark Side of the Ring, if they're going to be this in-depth, what other stories could they be talking about? Could they be talking about, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin with allegedly, you know, beating up his ex-wife and all these different other, you know, stories and how it could affect people. Like, you brought up the idea of, I mean, there was it wasn't even a bad, you know, it was a terribly kept secret, the idea that, you know, AW was more than likely going to be bringing in Ric Flair to be El, um, El Elio's uh, manager. That's got to be gone. I mean, the only thing that I would say that I believe from watching it, I believe the victim. But, you know, it was interesting. And you could say that he's deflecting. But Ric Flair came out and said, you know, they did that 30 for 30 a couple of years ago. And he gave the documentarians full access to everything in his life. You know, drug abuse, womanizing, you know, alcohol and, you know, talking about the death of his son, officially him almost dying five years ago. And, you know, him saying that, you know, they did this deep dive into this guy's background and this story never, this part of the story never came up before. And the openness, you know, of what he said, I mean, that doesn't mean I believe that he didn't do it, but, you know, it is always interesting when, you know, someone talks. And or they- he didn't say he was racist and he didn't say he raped a woman. He said he got drunk. He was a bad dad. Uh, and he was a mess. Those things, all right, that's open. You can, you can, you can tell, you can tell your story with that, and you can, you can tell your story to people and omit a lot of parts out, and it could be a, still a hell of a story. Absolutely, no, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, you know, he was very open with the documentarian. He's not gonna tell you. He's not. He's not gonna say what he's done. He's not gonna say horrible stuff. He's done like that. That's that's over the line. Right, and you know, when it comes to Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer has apologized for it. But you know, sometimes it's too late. Do I think his career is over? I mean, I think it's not that you forget about the past, but over time, people come back. Like, do I think that we'll see, you know, Ric Flair and AW in the next six months to a year? No. But do I think that when things die down a little bit, we might see him come on as an ambassador and, you know, a second chance? Maybe we see that. But, you know, it'll be interesting how AW or the Young Bucks, I know the Young Bucks have, been doing some stuff on there being the elite show where they actually showed him like in the background, they did some skits, like trying to the idea of, you know, we're bringing him in, see how they'll backtrack on that or, you know, how they'll eliminate that. But, you know, this documentation documentary series has been such an eye opening things from, I mean, one of the things that we got as a result of it is, you know, the Brian Pillman junior storyline we just had. And unfortunately, we're not a lot of time to talk about it right now, but the Owen Hart foundation where Owen Hart is family is working with AEW. You know, so there's so many different things have come out of this. This upcoming week, we have the Canyon story, which will be super interesting. So, I mean, this show has done a lot. And it's going to be interesting to see after what's happened with, you know, Tommy Dreamer losing his job, Ric Flair, maybe his career being over as a result of this, how many more people will be willing to be as open with them in season four? And I think that's going to be really interesting on the balance of, you know, like you said, even with the Confidential series on how they talk and what type of stories they'll actually cover as a result of, you know, the downfall of, you know, these two major figures, the last, you know, 30, 30 years of, you know, in wrestling. I agree. Um, great show, Corey, talking with you, uh, but it is time to end it. I need to eat and watch this game. That being said, I think we're done here. See ya.